Healing God's People at HealingGodsPeople.org with your host, Dennis Beard. We have over 25 different podcast sites there under the heading, Sealing God's People, have our own app. So please join in, subscribe, we'd love to hear from you. We've been talking about perfection, <clears throat> the saints of God coming unto perfection. Now, there's a doctrine in the church that states that this is a heretical doctrine. It's heresy, it cannot be obtained. But yet Jesus said in the Beatitudes and the Sermon on the Mount, be ye perfect, be ye also perfect, and even your Father in heaven is perfect. Now this was not a suggestion, it's a command. And when we see the constitution of the kingdom of heaven, it's not that repentance even mentioned. Neither is baptism in the name of Jesus Christ mentioned. But it talks about the works that accompany salvation, righteousness. There is, uh, uh, is perfection reached, not for any of our works or our labors, but through Christ that liveth in us. Just as Paul said in Galatians 2.20, I was crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. <clears throat> Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. Now, that somebody said, that's a dichotomy. If you're either alive or you're not. But there's a spiritual significance there. Paul states, I'm crucified with Christ. Nevertheless, I live. Yet not I, but Christ liveth in me. And the life I now live, I live by the faith of the Son of God who loved me and gave himself for me. Galatians 2.20 Now, it's not Paul anymore and it's not the believer anymore. It's Christ through the believer. But there's many different steps of glory from faith to faith, from glory to glory. Even it's by the Spirit of the Lord. So it's all by the Spirit of the Lord, in the Spirit of the Lord, through Christ, in Christ, and by Christ, not of works lest any man should boast. But what is perfection? We find in Romans 8 that he talks about the earnest um, groaning and moanings of all the creation, moaneth and groaneth and praying to be delivered into the glorious liberty of the sons of God. And not only they and all creation, but we are also ourselves that have the first fruit of the Spirit, do groan within ourselves, waiting for the adoption to wit the redemption of our bodies. <clears throat> now we know that the flesh and the works of the flesh, which are, are listed uh, there in Romans as well as Galatians uh, 5, it mentions the works of the flesh. And anyone that do these things will not inherit the kingdom of God. And yet it also states that you're saved by grace. So which one is it? If you're under the law, you're not under grace. And if you're under grace, you're not under the law. But grace, those that were once servants to sin, are now made servants under righteousness. Then that begs the answer, what is righteousness? What, the question is, what is righteousness? Well, we find that grace reigns through righteousness in Romans 5. By one man's disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. As, if, as the offense is of one, so also the free gift is of one. A man lost it. <clears throat> Only a man can redeem us back. And that's where the revelation of Christ, the foundation of the church, 
the Son of the living God, is essential for salvation. Now we know that Christ is that Spirit. He is the Spirit of God. He is the Lord Jehovah, God Almighty. He is the Tetragrammaton. He is the yod ha He is the Elohim. He is the El Shaddai. He is the Jehovah Lord. And we find that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11. Now, the fundamentals are what we build on. We have to understand that the foundation of the church is that revelation of Christ, the Son of the living God. Anything other than that, uh, any other doctrine than that, is uh, destruction, is death. So all life is in Christ Jesus. So we find that in 1 Peter 1, verse 10 and 11, that the Old Testament prophets searched diligently into the grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them. <clears throat> now, the Spirit of Christ, there is a capitalization, a capital S, meaning deity, spirit, and there's only one spirit. One body, one spirit, one Lord, one faith, one baptism, one God, the Father of all, above all, through all and in us all which is that Father of glory, which is uh, that Spirit. God is a Spirit. And those that worship Him must worship Him in Spirit and in truth. But many do not realize that Christ is that Spirit, always has been that Spirit, and always will be that Spirit. As we see in 1 Peter 1, verse 10. And he said, All the Old Testament prophets... Search diligently unto this grace that should come unto us, searching what or what manner of time the Spirit of Christ that was in them. And that's a capital S. Christ is that Spirit. He is the Father of glory. He is the Word. He is the Holy Ghost. He is that Spirit. But when it signified, when it testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ. <clears throat> now that's not Christ Jr. That's not Spirit Jr. That's not uh, Jehovah Jr. That is uh, God himself, Jehovah Lord. And that Lord, that Christ, that Spirit, is born in the city of David. Who is born in the city of David? Christ the Lord, Emmanuel, God with us. But we see there that he testified beforehand the sufferings of Christ. So Christ, that Spirit somehow or other, is going to suffer for us. Be our propitiation. He's going to be that man that is our kinsman redeemer. One of us. And Adam after the fall. How does he do it? Well, we see that. And if you have not turned into the podcast, How God Works Salvation in and of Himself Alone, we suggest that you tune in and see this revelation of the real Jesus. Now, what about perfection? <clears throat> How can we be made perfect? Well, we understand that even though Christ is that spirit, a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. So therefore, Isaiah 63, 5, God looked for a man. He wondered that there was no intercessor. There was no man. Therefore, he said, my own arm brought salvation to me. That is, the Lord himself worked salvation in and of himself alone. Now, how did he do it? 
Philippians 2, 6 through 8 tells us exactly how God did it. Who is Jesus Christ? Name was not revealed in the Old Testament because he had not taken on a permanent dwelling, a permanent manifestation, a permanent tabernacle yet. But when he did manifest in the flesh, then he would name his name for all to see throughout eternity. That name, Jesus. The name Jesus is Jehovah is salvation. He's not Jehovah Jr. He is Jehovah is salvation. The Lord Jehovah, God Almighty. But that spirit cannot suffer. It cannot die. Has no blood. And the law was given that sin might appear exceedingly sinful and by the knowledge of the law is sin. Without the knowledge of the law, sin is not puted where there is no law. God gave a law. That sin might appear exceedingly sinful. But the law has to be fulfilled. And it requires the shedding of blood. Without the shedding of blood, there's no remission of sin. Therefore, the Lamb of God taketh away the sin of the world, and we have to behold Him. Him alone, the man, Christ Jesus. We have to see that for God to work salvation in and of Himself alone, we understand that Jesus, who being in the form of God, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, not made equal, to be equal, a state, an essence, in his intrinsic value, his intrinsic uh, attributes. He is God. To be equal with the Lord. Made himself of no reputation. That's only one time in the Word of God. Philippians 2.6. God made himself of no reputation. And no reputation is a kenno, K-E-N-O-O, the kenosis, where he literally emptied out of glory. Not emptying out, but emptied out. A self-imposed limitation to make void, to make nothing, nada. Why would he do that? He didn't cease and desist from being God, but he made himself of no reputation because he's not going to work his spirit. He's going to take upon him the form of a servant. Made in the likeness of man, being found in fashion as a man. God found in fashion as a man, humbled himself, even to the death, the death of the cross. Wherefore God hath highly exalted him, given him a name that is above every name, that at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue confess that Jesus Christ is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty, the Greek Kyrios, to the glory of the Father. He went to the glory of the Father, glorified by the Father's own self. For us to be found righteous before our Lord and to be justified in redemption, justification by faith, sanctification through the truth, thy word is truth, and ultimate glorification as in Romans 8, to whom the Lord did foreknow. That's the foreknowledge of God. To whom he did foreknow, them he did also predestinate to be conformed to the image of his Son, that he might be the firstborn among many brethren. And uh, those that he predestined, them he also called. Them that he called, he also justified. Them that he justified, he also glorified. 
to be conformed to the image of Jesus Christ. Now, the glorification, how high is that? We're not going to be God, but yet we understand that we will be sons and daughters of God, children of God. And we find that in the Revelation in 21, that new Jerusalem coming down from God out of heaven prepared as a bride adorned for her husband. And at that time that God, well, he himself will be our father and we will be sons and daughters of God. Now, does this happen in one moment? Somebody said, well, you're saved, it's automatically done. Well, there's something there called uh, obedience unto righteousness. In Romans 6, it says that whosoever you yield your members as servants to obey, him the servants to whom you obey. Now, you have the Holy Ghost. You've got that Spirit of God. Now, it is a choice, a will, a volition that we will either serve God in obedience not works, not works of the law, but works that accompany salvation only in, through, and by Christ Jesus in you. And if you have someone leading you, as we mentioned before, and got you to a certain destination, glorified with the Lord Jesus Christ, your vile body being fashioned like unto his glorious body, whereby he's able to subdue all things unto himself, then you cannot say, we as believers cannot say, we did this. It's nothing of us and our works. It's only through Christ, by Christ, and in Christ does this happen. And the thing is, what is perfection? Do we have to be perfect, even as our Father in Heaven is perfect, that He stated in uh, uh, Matthew five forty seven. Is that possible? Well, if it's not possible, then why did Jesus command it? Paul stated the same thing. In Ephesians four twelve, he said he gave some apostles, some prophets, some evangelists, some pastors and teachers. Very first thing he mentioned, first mentioned for the perfecting of the saints, for the work of the ministry, for the edifying of the body of Christ until we all come to the unity of the faith and to the knowledge of the Son of God. Now, the knowledge of the Son of God is important because it's not gnosko, not just knowing Jesus after the Spirit and not after the flesh anymore, but we know him after the Spirit, Christ in you, the hope of glory. But it's not gnosko, it's epigonosko. That epi is much higher in glory. And he tells us the very next, the end of that sentence, unto a perfect man, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, growing up into him in all things. All things are the things of faith. So what is perfection? Perfection is coming into all things, being led and guided by the Spirit, not through us, through the Spirit, in the Spirit, and by the Spirit of God, the Holy Ghost, into all truth, not partial truth. In a Pentecostal realm, Paul stated now, we know in part, we have knowledge in part. But then, there's a time in the future. But then, face to face, 
then we will know even as we are known of him. And when that which is perfect has come, all these things which are in part will be done away with. Somebody said, well, that's in the sweet by and by. No, it's not. When that which is perfect has come is the perfection of the body of Christ. Coming to the measure of the statue of Jesus, growing up into him, into all things that were not tossed to and fro by every wind of doctrine. You see, in the last days, there will be a falling away from the faith. We see in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, that there will be it before the coming of the Lord, now gathering together unto him, as the day of Christ is at hand, that don't be soon shaken in mind or letter of, as from us or a letter of, of an angel, Paul said, for that day will not come until it come a falling away first. He said, that's the first sign you're going to see, a falling away first. What is that falling away? Well, 1 Timothy 4.1 tells us exactly what the falling away is. The Spirit speaketh expressly that in the latter days some shall depart from the faith, giving heed to these seducing spirits and doctrines of devils, having their conscience seared with a hot iron, forbidding to marry and abstaining from meats, which God has sanctified by the word of God in prayer. Somebody said, well, I'm not going to forbid to marry, and I'm not come against abstaining from meats. But on the spiritual sense, Jesus said, I have meat to eat that you know not of, except you eat the flesh of the Son of Man and drink his blood, you have no life. So on the spiritual sense, it's idolatry. I had not known idolatry, save the Lord's, save the law had said, thou shalt not covet. So a covetous man, whatever you're coveting, uh, that of a house, land, cars, fame, business, uh, riches, whatever the case is, then these are seducing spirits. And there's doctrines of devils. Doctrines of devils coming out of the mouth of the dragon, out of the mouth of the beast, and out of the mouth of the false prophet. Revelation 16, 13, which are three unclean spirits like frogs, which are the spirits of devils working miracles. Working miracles, yes. Just as it said, Paul stated in 2 Thessalonians, the second chapter, that because they did not receive the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Not obedience unto righteousness, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. That God himself would send strong delusion. The word would be deluded. That they'd believe a lie and all be damned who received not the love of the truth, but had pleasure in unrighteousness. Now, we certainly need to know what righteousness is because grace reigns through righteousness. Romans 5, it's not just grace alone. Grace reigns through something. How did we get grace? How did we get this favor with God, this, this uh, unmerited favor, this grace that flows to us with the, uh, the Spirit of God uh, literally upon our heart and its outward reflection of life. How did we get this grace? What do we do to deserve it? Nothing. And while we were yet sinners, Christ died for us. Not that we first loved God, but he first loved us. We can't even say we loved him first. So what is this then? The way has already been made in the way, the truth, and the life for everlasting life. 
For God so loved the world, he gave his only begotten Son, that whosoever believeth in him should not perish, but have everlasting life. Everyone's heard that, John 3.16. We've heard, Acts 2.38, repent. What shall we do? Men and brethren, what, what must we do? Acts 2.38, repent and be baptized. Every one of you in the name of Jesus Christ. For the remission of your sins, born of the water. And you shall receive the gift of the Holy Ghost, born of the Spirit. The promises unto you, to your children, to as many as are far off, to as many as the Lord our God shall call. Still calling today. Jesus Christ is coming in the flesh, is still coming in the flesh, present, imperfect tense, 1 John 4, 1 through 4. And we find that this perfection is not ours. Not of works lest any man should boast. But it's attributed to us through faith and our life was hid and is hid with Christ in God. Hid with Christ? How do we do that? Well, it's his work. It's the work that Jesus did and him and himself alone. That Jesus Christ, the Lord God Almighty, made himself of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6. He's that spirit, all-knowing, almighty, ever omnipresent. Made himself of no reputation. One time in the word of God, one time only. Philippians 2, 6. Made himself of no reputation. Not some reputation. No reputation. Not going to work his spirit at all. Self-imposed limitation upon himself. And took upon him the form of a servant. Somebody said, what difference does that make? It makes a world of difference. Because he's not working as a God-man. You know, when he walked on the water, he's God. When he, whenever he's uh, weary with his journey, he's a man. And he's switching from God to man. and uh, That's nonsense. And uh, Jesus prayed to himself uh, when he said, Father. No, he didn't pray to himself. You have to have the revelation of Christ. The Trinity doctrine is wrong. Binitarianism is, uh, Tunis is wrong. Oneness doctrine is wrong. Then what is truth? The truth is the revelation of Christ. And how low did he go? He's not working as a God-man. He's working as a man. A man lost it. You, uh, we need, all of us need to understand that we had to have a kinsman redeemer. Not working as God, because if he works as God, I cannot. As a as an Adam that has to be born again, that conceived in sin, shaped in iniquity, none good, no, not one. All of sin comes short of the glory of God. There's no way that he, me, and under the law can be perfect as he if he worked as God. But if he did it as a man, just like me and just like you, a human being made an under the law, not above the law, an Adam after the fall. Now, if he did it and he's going to show me the way, the truth, and life, and give me the power to do it, then he can certainly command me to do it. If I'm going to lay hold upon that hope. So, as we talk about Christ, 
that he is the Lord Jehovah God Almighty. He is that spirit, the spirit of Christ that was in the Old Testament prophets, Samuel, Isaiah, Jeremiah, Ezekiel, Daniel, 14 minor prophets, all the way to Malachi. That was Christ, the spirit of God. When he signified, when he testified beforehand, the sufferings of Christ. Now Christ then is in a body of flesh and blood, not working as Christ the spirit, but as Christ the man, not a God man, a man. Why? Because a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. That's Romans 5. In Adam all die. In Christ is only is their life. So how did he work salvation? He, Jesus Christ, in the form of God's Spirit, Philippians 2, 6, thought it not robbery to be equal with God, not made equal, be equal. He is God. And every attribute of God is equal. Love, power, word, logos, understanding, wisdom. They're equal. Every attribute. And made himself of no reputation. Very, very essential in knowing righteousness. Being skillful in the word of righteousness. And by doing that, He took upon him the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. God made in the likeness of men. But he's made himself of no reputation as spirit to take upon him another form, the form of a servant. Made in the likeness of men, being found in fashion as a man, he humbled himself into the death, the death of the cross. That man died. God didn't die. The man did. Well, then the law was given that sin might appear exceedingly sinful, and the law has to be fulfilled. And the law is a wall of partition. These ordinances that were contained in the law, which was contrary to us, all mankind, because we, by the works of the law, no flesh should be saved. The law then was a ministration of death. Thou shalt not steal. Thou shalt not bear. All these thou shalt not. And when we find that we are weak in the flesh and cannot keep the law, And there's no way for mankind then to be saved that are conceived in sin, shape, and iniquity, none good, no, not one. And God looks for a man, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob, all the way, the patriarchs, all the way down to the prophets and kings and priests, and none found worthy because they've got to be counted blameless, sinless, perfect lamb, sacrifice, for this, for this redemption. And there is none. God marveled there was no man. We find it in Isaiah 59, Isaiah 53, 63, I'm sorry. And we see that God looked for a man. He was, he was amazed he could find none. And he said, therefore, my own arm brought salvation to myself. How did he do it? He made himself a no reputation. He emptied out of glory so he's not going to work his spirit. Why? Because so he can work only as a man. A man made in under the law. And Adam after the fall, just like you and just like me. Therefore, perfection can be now grasped and obtained through Christ, in Christ, and by Christ, through him alone. By him and his effectual working in and through us upon our hearts. And then obedience to that leading 
unto perfection, unto the measure of the stature of the fullness of Christ, unto a perfect man, Jesus ahead, and we each member of the body of Christ. So therefore, in the days of Jesus' flesh, when he says his flesh, it means that he is working as one of us, a kinsman redeemer. Just like the high priest in the Old Testament took off his garments of glory and beauty in Leviticus 16, and in the sanctuary, the holy place, took off the garments of glory and beauty and put on the linen garments. He became one with the people. And he offered all the sacrifices that day, the two goats, goat of Azazel, the scapegoat, as he, get, as he finishes all the sacrifice and sprinkling the blood upon the end of the mercy seat seven times. And he's completely finished with that work. He comes back into, from the holiest of all, most holy place, into the holy place, the sanctuary, takes off the linen garments and puts back on the garments of glory and beauty. Your Lord did the same thing. Your great high priest did the same thing for you and for me. Therefore, what he did in Philippians 2, 5 through 8, he tells you exactly how God is going to work salvation in and of himself alone. He can't find a man because all of sin comes short of the glory of God. This will be born the blameless, spotless Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And he will not fail until he brings forth righteousness unto holiness. He will not fail. There, Jesus, God Almighty, made himself of no reputation. Not going to work his spirit, not as a God-man, but as a man. And we find that in Philippians 2, 6 through 8. We also see in Hebrews 2, for as much then as the children are partakers of flesh and blood, he, God himself also likewise, took part of the same. Then in all things he was made like unto his brethren. Hebrews 4, 15, tempted at all points like as we are, yet without sin. God can't be tempted. Well, he's made himself of no reputation. It's not working as God. He's working as a man literally emptied out of all glory. So the Spirit of God is latent. It's not even moving and won't move because if he does anything through the Spirit of God and not as a flesh and blood man, then he has literally violated his own law because he states a man lost that only a man can redeem us back, Romans 5. So to do it, to show his love, 1 John 3.16, hereby perceive the love of God because he laid down his life for us. He did, yes. Well, on Mount Moriah, in a type when Abram, Abram took his son, Isaac, and he was to offer him upon Mount on Moriah. And as he was going up there, then Isaac asked his father, we have all the stuff. We have the wood for the sacrifice. Where is the sacrifice? It's very important to see how the Lord answered Isaac. He said, the Lord will provide, not a sacrifice or a ram. The Lord will provide himself a sacrifice. It was God himself. To understand that, we have to understand Philippians 2, 6, how God made himself of no reputation. This is righteousness. 
And this is the only way we can come to perfection. Not of works lest any man should boast. Therefore, it's God in him, in Christ, by Christ, and through Christ that we have this righteousness imputed to us by faith. Paul said, I've suffered the loss of all things and have counted but done that I might win Christ and be found not having mine own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God. Notice the righteousness is of God. The righteousness of God by faith. Therefore, it lets us know that righteousness, it is the Lord himself, Jehovah Tendishkunu, the Lord all righteousness. It's his work. It's his showing us the way, truth, and the life that we obtain it through faith, not of works, lest any man should boast. So it's by grace through faith that you're saved, not of works, lest any man should boast. But unto perfection? Somebody said, I've never heard that before. Of course not, because uh, the churches have us all hoodwinked, thinking that gain is godliness, prosperity messages, telling that gain is godliness from such turn away. Many of them are thinking that gain is godliness from such turn away. We find there is a true revelation of Jesus Christ, a real Jesus, that the those that serve him will suffer with him. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. Somebody said, well, why do you bring up sufferings? Because Peter said in his epistle, he said, after you have suffered for a while, God make you perfect. Establish, strengthen, and settle you. Have you suffered for a while? Why that? Well, let's go back to Jesus. We find that he is born in Bethlehem, Judah, there in the lowliest, the meanest of flesh, not in some castle, but in a manger. And he, as he grows in favor with God and with man, he is working only as a man, an Adam, after the fall. Somebody said, well, I've always been taught that God sent his son. The father talked to the son, Junior, and said, go down and die for the, the sin of the world. That somehow the son of God was begotten before the foundation of the world. That is nonsense. There's no scripture for that. That's a Chalcedonian definition in 451 AD, which was a council of synod that was totally in error. There is no second person of the Godhead. There's no God, Junior. There's no Jehovah, Junior. Jesus is Jehovah, is our salvation. There is no such thing as a second person of the Godhead. Somebody said, well, there is, it just can't be explained. The reason it can't be explained is because it doesn't exist. There's a Holy One. And a Holy One of Israel. The devils believe in one God and tremble. They know who they, we know thee, who thou art, Jesus, thou the Holy One of Israel. They know who he is. They know who he is. You believe in one God, you do well. But the way of the world has gone to three. God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost. That's the reason he never calls Jesus God the Son, the Son of God. Why? Because he is a man. It's God himself. It's made himself of no reputation. Philippians 2, 6 through 8. 
to work salvation for us as a man. That's God himself that has made himself of no reputation to work only as a man. But the law's still there. Well, of course not. He hasn't shed his blood yet. So even though God is manifest in the flesh, 1 Timothy 3.16, without controversy, great is the mystery of godliness. God was manifest in the flesh. Not God Jr., not second person of the Godhead. God was manifest in the flesh, justified in the spirit. Seen of angels, preached of the Gentiles, believed on in the world, received up in the glory. God was. Not God Jr. Well, now we have that mystery. It's a mystery of Christ. Well, what's that mystery? Well, we find what it is. Colossians 2, verse 1 through 9. To the full assurance of the acknowledgement of the mystery of God and the Father and of Christ, in whom are hid all treasures of wisdom and knowledge. In him, him alone. Not junior. <laughs> so now, in that revelation of Christ, God loved you so much that he made himself of no reputation, took upon him the form of a servant so he could work salvation for you and for me. And by doing so, he will glorify his own human back to himself. For God was in Christ, reconciling the world unto himself. But the law was still there, dividing. So Jesus, as long as as he is in the days of his flesh and hath not shed his holy, righteous blood for the remission of sin, then he will have to pray to the Father because the law is still there. God is literally redeeming us through Christ. God was in Christ. Well, Christ is God. Yes, we know that. God was in Christ reconciling the world unto himself. Well, the man, Christ Jesus, has, is not God-man. He's working as a man alone and under the law. He's going to suffer. He's going to be tempted. He's going to be tried. He is, walks on the water as a man, not as God, as a man. So there's some key words there for us to understand how he, the man, Christ Jesus, Became perfect. Became perfect. He's born a spotless, blameless lamb of God by the seed of the woman. Not the seed of Adam, the seed of the woman. Yes, we know, understand. But he's one of us. A man lost and only man can redeem us back. Romans 5. So Jesus makes himself of no reputation as spirit, takes on him the form of a servant, made in the likeness of men. Who is that servant? Isaiah 43.10 tells us who that servant is. Thus saith the Lord, Lord Jehovah God Almighty. That's a capital L, capital O, capital R, capital D. The Lord Jehovah God Almighty said unto my Lord, that Lord, uh, that thus saith the Lord, and my servant, whom I have chosen. Well, it sounds like there's two. But God says that you may know and believe me and understand. Believe God, not some denomination, not some bishop. Thus saith the Lord, Isaiah 43.10, And my servant, whom I have chosen, that you may know and believe me and understand that I am he. Before me there was no God formed, neither shall be after me. He's the only one that's going to manifest. God manifest in the flesh. The Father revealed. 
So he's starting out with absolutely no glory. He's not working as God. He's working as a man. The law is still there, separating God from all mankind. And God now has literally came in a body of flesh that is emptied out of glory, not working as God as all at all. And this man, we find in the crucifixion psalm, the word is daily his delights. He's growing in favor with God and with man. He's working as a man. A man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. And then, and only, as he fulfills the law in every area of that law, can the Spirit break through and do anything in the man Christ Jesus. Because he is our kinsman redeemer. He's one of us. He is an Adam after the fall. He is going to be tempted in all points like is all mankind without yet without sin. So as he grows, we find at 12 years old, he's astounding. The scribes and the, uh, uh, the rabbis at his knowledge at 12 years old. And then even they said when he was lost and they, they said, we've been looking for you for three days. We haven't found you. Where have you been? And he said, what? No, you're not. I must be about my father's business. Well, why did he say my father? Because the father, he has made himself of no reputation so he can work only as a man. So the son of God is the father revealed in a body of flesh and blood. Has two components. The spirit of God without measure and a body of flesh and blood. But how does he work in salvation? As a man only through the spirit, but only as he fulfills the law in every aspect. The law states, that the high priest cannot take his office until age 30. Well, Jesus can't start his ministry then at age 20 because the law states in number four, numbers four, that the high priest takes his office at age 30. Well, he's fulfilling his own law as a man. But then after he uh, uh, takes his office as uh, our great high priest at age 30, well, then the spirit can start breaking uh, there according to the law and work on our behalf after the order of Melchizedek not after the order of Aaron or the Levitical priesthood well as he reaches the age of 30 he's done no miracles why because he has not and he has to fulfill the law and the law states the high priest can't take his office until age 30 it's mentioned there six times in numbers four so about the age of 30, Jesus goes to John the Baptist, whose father was Zechariah, of the course of Abijah, of the Levitical priesthood, the sons of Aaron, and said, baptize me. John the Baptist says, I had need to be baptized of you, whose shoe latches I'm not worthy to stoop down and unloose. Jesus said, suffered to be so to fulfill all righteousness. The law is still there. God has not worked at all in the man Christ Jesus. But now at age 30, he can start working on our behalf as our great high priest, fulfilling his own law at age 30. So in the Levitical priesthood, the high priest would do three things. When he became reason by reason of age, he could not continue on. He would take his son, age 30. 
And he would do three things. He would anoint him with oil, lay hands on him, and then pronounce over him, Thou art the high priest in my stead. Then the high priest, his son would take his office, and the father would be quit of it. He would, he would be released, and his son would be in the high priest's stead. Well, now Jesus is going to be after the order of Melchizedek. There's going to be a transfer of the Levitical priesthood to that of Melchizedek. So, Jesus goes down to John the Baptist and said, Baptize me. John said, I have need to be baptized of you. Jesus said, Suffer to be so to fulfill all righteousness. As they go down to where John is baptized in Jordan, past Bath Arba, then three things are going to happen. Number one, John lays hands on him. Number two, puts him underwater. Number three, John does not speak over him. This is after the order of Melchizedek. John doesn't speak over him, John the Baptist. Here comes a voice from the excellent glory, from the Father of glory. Well, the law is still there. But now, he can start working as our great high priest, according to the law. Because he's fulfilling the law as a man. And he will still fulfill it as a man, but now he can do it through the Spirit. As he crucifies the flesh with the affections and the lust, the Spirit of God can break through the man Christ Jesus, and all of his miracles will be progressive in glory, showing us the way, the truth, and life. That if we suffer with him, that if we crucify the flesh with the affections and the lust, we can also work the works of Jesus Christ. Through the Holy Ghost, not of us, not of works lest any man should boast, but by faith in the name of Jesus. Therefore, whenever John the Baptist lays hands on him, two puts him under the water, three, he didn't speak over him, there comes a voice from heaven, thou art my beloved son. Right at that point, the, the dove comes down, the Holy Ghost in the form of a dove, and rests upon Jesus. Why? Because of the sign given to John the Baptist, from whom you see the Holy Ghost resting upon him. He it is that is the Lamb of God that taketh away the sin of the world. And from that point on, from that point on, he is our great high priest and begins to work on our behalf as our great high priest, fulfilling his own law. Very important. The man is fulfilling that law through the eternal spirit. He's going to offer himself always in obedience to the Father because that law is still dividing God from man, even though God is manifest in this flesh. But God has made himself of no reputation. But now he has begun to move upon the man Christ Jesus because he has obeyed this law, and now he's working on our behalf as our great high priest. And then it's going to be progressive. He's going to say, my father's greater than I. The things concerning me have an end. He's speaking of his flesh. He's working as a man. He's our kinsman redeemer. He's one of us, not a God man. As a man, a man lost and only man can redeem us back. Well, somebody said, well, it's going to be through the spirit. Yes, through the spirit, but that's the man through the spirit, not the spirit through the man. It's the man through the spirit. The man has to work salvation for you. The man has to die. The man has to shed blood. The man has to be holy, righteous, and sinless. Man 
of God. That Son of God is a man that Spirit has emptied out of glory, made himself of no reputation to work only as a man on our behalf. And when you get that, then you can understand how, through what he has already done, that righteousness is now imputed to us by faith, but not of our works. It's what he's already done. Now, he knew no sin, became sin for us, that we might be made the righteousness of God in him, through him, by him, not of us, but through him. Well, I'd hate somebody said we'd have to have power to do that. Yes, you can't do it on your own. You must have the Spirit of God. If any man have not the Spirit of Christ, he's none of his. But if the Spirit that dwells in Christ Jesus also dwelleth in you, it shall also quicken, make alive your mortal body, give life to you, the God life. Therefore, Jesus will progressively glorify his own human back to himself. That's the reason you'll see Jesus say, Father, that law is still there now. Always remember that law is still there until he dies and sheds his holy righteous blood on the cross. Father, glorify thou me. He says, I have glorified you and I will glorify you again. You're going progressively glorifying the human, the man Christ Jesus, who is Christ, back to Christ the Spirit. Back to God himself. Therefore, Jesus said, my Father is greater than I. Of course he is. He's saying the Spirit. The things concerning me have an end. Talking about his flesh. Then he's fulfilling the law as a man. Tempted all points like as we are yet without sin. Even the miracles that he does are progressive. It starts out with the, 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 the marriage in Cana of Galilee. He turns the water into wine. These are the beginning of miracles which Jesus did. When? 25? No. At age 30. One of the beginning of miracles. Why? Because now he's our high priest. He's start, and the Holy Ghost is breaking forth through Jesus. But is it is it the Holy Ghost? No. It's Jesus through that eternal spirit. Offering himself through that eternal spirit. And then, that, because the first thing we have to understand is that the captain of our salvation was made perfect. Made perfect? I thought he was already perfect. Well, he's going to be tempted and tried in all points. Human spirit, rational soul, and a human body of flesh and blood in all points like as we are, yet without sin. So the captain of our salvation, Hebrews tells us, and I believe Paul wrote that book, some people disagree, but whatever the case is, he said that the captain of our salvation was made perfect through his sufferings. Now, why sufferings? The first thing that happens when Jesus is baptized of John and Jordan, the Holy Ghost comes down. Somebody says, oh, well, he's filled with the Holy Ghost. No, he's not filled with the Holy Ghost. He is the Holy Ghost. Somebody said, how can that be? Because he's made himself of no reputation. He's always been God. Jesus, in the form of God, made himself of no reputation. He is that spirit. He is the Holy Ghost. But he's made himself of no reputation. 
And he adds to himself, the Spirit of God, the form of a servant. But that law still separates. So God's working salvation in and of himself alone. And when you see that, you're seeing the real Jesus, not a God-man. You're seeing uh, how God works salvation in and of himself alone as a man. Romans 5, as a man, a man. We find nowhere in the scripture does it say the Father spoke to the Son saying, go down and die for the sin of the world. It doesn't exist. Somebody said, well, my pastor said, well, read it for yourself. You'll find there's a lot of things being spoken behind pulpits that are just not biblical. Spirit Jr. didn't go down and die because Spirit Father said unto Spirit Jr., go down and die for the sin of the world. It's not there. But somebody said he sent forth his son. Yeah, he sent forth his son. He sent his word. And God said, in the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Bereshit Barah, Elohim 8, Hashemayim, Bayad Hayyot. Seven Hebrew words there. That eight, right there in the middle, the Shemash, that middle, that fourth Hebrew word. In the beginning, God created the heaven and the earth. Bereshit Barah, Elohim 8, Aloft Tav. Jesus said, I am that Aloft Tav. I'm that uh, Alpha and Omega. I'm that A and Z. I am that Spirit, Elohim. And God said, let there be light. Well, God created the heaven and the earth. How did he do it? Somebody said, well, that's the Father speaking to the Son and the Holy Ghost. If you believe that, get this message on uh, Genesis 1.26. Ain't no us's there. The us's the attributes of God. There, God created the heaven and the earth, and God said, let there be light. And the word created, but who's the word? The word is God. The word was God. Same as again in the beginning with God. The Father, Word, and the Holy Ghost, these three are one. They bear record in heaven. First John 5, 7. One is not a union. Whom? It is heis. H-E-I-S. A Greek word meaning one in the self-same spirit. Exactly the same. Father's administrative office of spirit. Word's expression office of that same spirit. Holy Ghost is the power office of that same spirit. And the word. What, what did he send? When he sent forth his son, that lamb was slain from the foundation of the world in God's logos, word, logos, word. It wasn't a dead lamb in heaven up there, staying up heaven for hundreds of thousands of years and then came down in the last days to be made manifest. The lamb was slain from the foundation of the world. We're in God's logos, word, thought, plan, purpose, and will, word. And that word, that logos, that word in the beginning was the word of God. The in the beginning was the word. Word was with God. The word was God. The same, the same was in the beginning with God. All things were made by him. And God said, that's God. Somebody said, well, I thought it was the Father, Son, Holy Ghost. No, Isaiah 44, 24. He spanned the heavens by myself and the earth alone. Isaiah 44, 24. Jeremiah 51, 15. By his wisdom, power, and understanding. Three different attributes. One God. <laughs> We've been told a lot of lies. But God's pulling together an army that has an ear to hear. And the real, the true believers in God are the ones that's going to carry this everlasting gospel to all the world for a witness unto all nations. And then the end will come. God's preparing that army now. Well, he's working salvation as a man. 
you'll find that how did God send forth his son? Well, we know he did, but that's his word. And the word was made flesh. The son is not everlasting. It wasn't an everlasting son in heaven. That's the reason it doesn't say God the Son. If it said God the Son, God the Father, God the Son, God the Holy Ghost, that'd be an everlasting son. That's the son of God. Why? Because he had a beginning. The son of God? Yes, where? 2,000 years ago, born in Bethlehem, Ephrata. There, Christ the Lord. That is the beginning. Why? Because in Isaiah 9, 5, and to us a child is born, and to us a son is given, and the government shall rest upon his shoulder. Now, I know some of your translations are going to have shoulders, but it's shoulder in the original manuscript. The only thing rested upon Jesus' shoulder was a cross. Why do we focus on that? Because it's only through sufferings that our Lord Jesus Christ, the captain of our salvation, is made perfect through these sufferings. And he's the captain. He's the one that made the way. Without those sufferings, it's impossible. You have to be willing to suffer with him. So if you love Jesus, you'll suffer with him. You're not only called to believe on Jesus, but also to suffer with him. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. You'll be joint heirs with Christ, an equal heir with Jesus Christ. There, when we find in Peter, he said that after you've suffered for a while, God make you perfect. Why suffering? Because the captain of our salvation was made perfect through sufferings. So how's the body of Christ going to be made perfect through sufferings? That's the reason 1 Peter 4.1, hardly ever hear it preached, says, For as much then as Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. It's talking about Christ in the flesh. Jesus, the man, suffered for us. Not the spirit, the man Christ Jesus. By one man's just. Uh, disobedience, sin came to the world, and death by sin, therefore by one man shall my servant make many righteous. For as much then, 1 Peter 4, 1, as Christ has suffered for us, where? In the flesh, not in the spirit, in the flesh. You know, arm yourselves with the same mind. Arm yourselves with it. That's the armor. Arm yourselves with it. That's the armor of God. Arm yourselves with the same mind. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. There's only one way you're going to cease from sin, and that's through sufferings. So tribulation worketh patience, patience worketh experience, experience worketh hope. Hope makes not ashamed because the love of God shed abroad in the heart by the Holy Ghost. I don't care if you're a multi G in there. As long as you're rich toward God and not rich toward self, and God can get it through you, he'll get it to you for his kingdom, for his name's sake. But you're still going to suffer. Everyone, even John, who wrote the book of the Revelation, said, I'm your fellow companion in tribulations, sufferings for the kingdom of God and for the testimony of Jesus. All are partakers of his sufferings. Partakers of what? Of Christ. If you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. Paul put it this way. We're troubled on every side, but we're not in distress. We're perplexed, but not in despair. We're persecuted, but not forsaken. We're cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing in our bodies the dying of the Lord Jesus. What? The dying of the Lord Jesus? Yes. 
The Holy Ghost is always crucifying your flesh with the affections and the lust that you might be accounted worthy of the kingdom of God for which you also suffer. And these tests, this tribulation and persecution is a manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Second Thessalonians 1. That's the only way your faith grows exceedingly and the charity of everyone abounds one toward another. Is in these persecutions and tribulations that you endure. And he that endureth in the end, the same will be saved. Which is the manifest token of the righteous judgment of God. Well, Paul said, even though we're troubled on side, not stripped, perplexed by not spirit, persecuted by not second, cast down, but not destroyed. Always bearing about in our bodies that dying of the Lord Jesus. Why? That the life of our Lord Jesus will be made manifest through you. Through us, Paul said. For we which live are always delivered unto death. What? That doesn't fit in your prosperity message, does it? That the life of our Lord Jesus be made manifest in your mortal bodies. Well, what for? This affliction, this light affliction, which is only but for a moment, what does it do for us? Worketh for us a more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. So we want this glory. We want this glorification. Our vile body being fashioned like in his glorious body, whereby he's able to do all things to himself, but nobody wants to suffer. And it's through these sufferings that we are made perfect, God establish, strengthen, and settle you. The first thing that Jesus did after he was baptized of John and Jordan. The Holy Ghost in the form of a dove comes down and lights and abides upon Jesus. The first thing the Spirit then did what? He'd get, you know, uh, chariot, ivory chariots and 50 men running before him and said, here, hail the Son of God. No. The first thing the Spirit drave him there into the wilderness there to be tempted of Satan. Making the captive of our salvation perfect through sufferings. Somebody said, well, I didn't know that was called for us too. Well, the captain of our salvation made perfect through sufferings. And he said, if you suffer with him, you'll reign with him. And 1 Corinthians uh, 1, he said, if you're protectors of Christ's sufferings, you'll also be a protector of the consolation. You've got to be a protector of the consolation. Only through sufferings. Well, that is an, uh, an integral part of salvation. There's only one way that you're going to get rid of the affections and the lust is through crucifying it. So the Holy Ghost is given to you. You're baptized with the Holy Ghost and that with fire whose fan is in his hand. Why? He will thoroughly purge his floor. What's the fan for? To, to fan the fire to burn up the dross that's in all of us. The works of the flesh. And we have to put on this new man. Put off the old man that's been buried with Jesus in baptism. The body of the sins of flesh are destroyed by baptism. Acts 2, 38. Romans 2, 28 and 29. Romans 6, 1 through 4. Colossians 2, 10 through 12. All by baptism. Through the circumcision made without hands, the body of sins destroyed by baptism. Colossians 2, 10 to 12. Now we start this sanctification process. What? Destroying the works of the flesh. 
the captain of our salvation made perfect through sufferings. So we're called unto perfection. Be you perfect as your Father in heaven is perfect. And then, how do we do this? It's through the leading of the Holy Ghost. He's going to fan, whose fan is in his hand, he's going to thoroughly purge his floor. Purge what? Purge our conscience from dead works to serve the living God. All of that dross purged out. All a man has to do, uh, anyone in the body of Christ has to do, is obey that spirit. Don't do your own will. Do the will of God. That's simple. And perfection, then, is attainable only through Christ, in Christ, and by Christ himself. And your life is hid uh, with Christ in God. With Christ, yes, because I was buried with him in baptism. I'm raised in the newness of life, yet not I live, but Christ liveth in me. And there, Paul said, for me to live is Christ. To die is gain. Well, that is Jesus literally in his own body of flesh and blood in the days of his flesh. Learned obedience. That learned is not just attempted it, but learned it means perfected it. If, if someone learned the piano, learned art, what if they would do everything that's possible that could be done unto perfection? They learned it. Nothing short of perfection. He learned obedience through the things which he suffered, making the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings. Well, how are we going to be made perfect? Well, when tribulation persecution arises for the word's sake, many are offended thereby and bring forth no fruits unto perfection. Why? Because it's through these sufferings. It's through these trials. Now, all that live godly in Christ Jesus shall suffer persecution. And that's the reason why a hired harling will leave the sheep because they will not suffer for his name's sake. That's the reason Mr. Babylon says, I said a queen, I am no widow, and I will see no sorrow. I will see no sufferings. I will have no birth pangs. I will have no birthing Jesus in me. I'm already there. I'm a queen. I am no widow. That is her false religion, false, uh, a false Christ, a false Jesus. Christ in you, the hope of glory, is going from faith to faith, from glory to glory, how? By the crucifying the flesh with the affections and the lust. And Jesus, as he, in the days of his flesh, he said, I never do my own will. I only do that which I see my Father do. And I always do those things that please him. Why? Because the law is still there. Even though he is God, it's made himself with no reputation. He's working salvation as a man. And in his own mind. He has his own body of flesh and blood. His own soul, mind, will, emotions, imagination, and intellect. And his own human spirit. But inside that human spirit, Jesus is born and doesn't, he doesn't get the spirit of God by getting baptized with the Holy Ghost. He is the Holy Ghost that's added to himself a body of flesh and blood. He's made himself of no reputation a spirit, to take upon him the form of a servant. So he's not a man that is going to be baptized with the Holy Ghost and, and ultimately become God. 
He is God that added to himself the form of a servant, made him the likeness of men. And how did he do it? He made himself of no reputation. He loved you so much that he humbled himself, literally made himself of no reputation, Philippians 2, 6, and took upon him the form of a servant. And the law is still there. So the man then is suffering. Who is that man? It's the Lord God Almighty in his own human. But is he a God-man? No, not a God-man. He's working salvation only as a man. Remember, a man lost it. Only a man can redeem us back. But one man's disobedience sin came to the world death by sin. Therefore, by one man shall my servant make many righteous. So, Romans 8, 3. And what the law could not do, that law is a middle wall of partition, parts God from man, even in his own body of flesh and blood, because it hadn't shed blood yet. He's going to have to be tempted, tried, tested in all things, and tempted in all points, like as we are, yet without sin, and literally fulfilling that law in every area, every aspect of that law. It has to be fulfilled by the man, Christ Jesus, not a God-man, the man making the capital of our salvation perfect through sufferings. So therefore, when Jesus, first thing that happens to him, the Spirit drave him into the wilderness there to be tempted of Satan. He's going to be tempted in his body. If you be the Son of God, take these stones to bread. That's the, uh, knowing he was hungry. He fasted 40 days. Then his soul, you know, got to cast yourself down off the pinnacle. Because it's written, devil using a word on him, that thou will uh, give that angels to lift you up, lest you dash your foot against a stone. And Jesus said, "Man shall not uh, tempt the Lord thy God, but only him shall thy serve." Then he goes to his spirit, tempt the body, soul, and spirit, his human spirit. Said, "Now look, Jesus, if you'll just cast yourself down." before me, just bow down before me and worship me as it will be in the last days uh, those that worship the beast in his image if you'll just worship me I'm going to give you all these kingdoms you won't have to die, we're going to avert the cross you don't have to do any of this stuff and Jesus said get thee behind me Satan he quotes, quotes Deuteronomy 6, Deuteronomy 9, Deuteronomy 6. Jesus quotes the word of God back. But it was such. He had already fasted 40 days. And when he came out of the wilderness, he was so drained that the angels kept and, and, and ministered to Jesus. It was that an agony. It was that soul-wrenching. And he'll even be more so in the Garden of Gethsemane. Well, Jesus, as he is literally... God's, how did he send his own son? He sent the word. The word was made flesh. And what the law, Romans 8, 3, what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh. Remember, the law is dividing God from all mankind. So what does God do? He comes down here as a man. The law is still there. And what the law could not do in that it was weak in the flesh, God sending his own son and the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin condemned sin in the flesh. The son is a word made flesh, not God Jr. And what's this son? The Son is as sent for one reason, to condemn sin in the flesh. How? By fulfilling that law. And that that veil going into that, that most holy place, separating God from all mankind, that veil is to say Jesus is flesh, Hebrews 10. So we find in Galatians 4 verse 4, 
in the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. How? And the father didn't say the son go down and die. Well, how did he send him? In the fullness of time, God sent forth his son. Now, made of a woman. Word was made flesh. John 1 through uh, 1, the first chapter of John 1 through 14. The word was made flesh. No man has seen God at any time. The only begotten son, which is in the bosom of the father, he hath declared him. And that only begotten son is the only begotten monogamous euos. The only begotten son, which is the only begotten God, monogamous theos. There's different manuscripts. One will say only begotten God, only begotten son. Both are correct. Because in Isaiah 9, 5, unto us a child is born, unto us a son is given. The government shall rest upon his shoulder. The government is the cross, the sufferings. And his name shall be called Wonderful, only used of God, full of wonder. Counselor, the mighty God, not the mighty son of God, the mighty God. Isaiah 9, 6. Who is he? The everlasting father, not the everlasting son. The everlasting father, the prince of peace. Now you're getting the real Jesus. Now you know your call and how you come to perfection. Not of you, not of your works, lest any man should boast, but simply through obedience of the Holy Ghost, the captain of your salvation has already worked righteousness for you. How? Him that knew no sin, he's tempted in all points like as we are yet without sin, and progressively going and finding his own, his own human, and never missing it, never sinning in his human spirit, rational soul, a human body, then declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit by the resurrection from the dead. And he is our free will Offering a frail, free, willing sacrifice. That after he's done all this, then he still has to be willing in his own self-will to lay down his life as a free will offering. Jesus said, I, uh, no man taketh my life from me. I freely lay it down. I have power to lay it down. I have power to receive it again. This I've received of my Father. How did he do it? John 2, Jesus said, destroy this temple. Three days I will raise it up. He said, 46 years where the Jews is building this temple and you're going to raise it up in three days? But Jesus spake of the temple of his body. Not an iron, but the nails. The temple, his body. A flesh and blood body. No man can raise his own body up except he be God. And Jesus did. There when Jesus, how did God send forth this? He sent his word. The word was made flesh. What was the whole mission of the Son of God? The redemptive office of the Spirit to work salvation for us. Justification by faith and redemption. Then sanctification through the truth, the word is truth, and then ultimate glorification. It's all in Him, by Him, and through Him, not of any of our works. Perfection. Jesus has already made the captain of our salvation, Himself perfect through sufferings. Learning, learned, not learning, but learned obedience, perfected it through the things which he suffered. Now he says, now, after you've suffered for a while, you won't die for the sin of the world, but the first thing he tells the body of Christ, if any man will come after me, that's man, woman, boy, girl, mother, daddy, anybody, let him first deny himself. You're going to have to get rid of self-will. Can't live that Adamic nature. You've got to crucify that old man with affections nonetheless. By baptism, 
and then obey the Spirit of God unto righteousness. Obedience unto righteousness is Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members of service, obey him the service to whom you obey, whether of obedience unto righteousness, or what if he don't do that, or of sin unto death. To be carnally minded is death. Even though we have the Spirit of God, it has to be obeyed. So Jesus, as he is in the days of his flesh, he's praying to the Father because the law is still there. Father, glorify thou me. I have glorified you. I'll glorify you again. I'm glorifying you over and over, higher glory, from glory to glory. He's not staying at the same glory. He's growing in favor with God and with man. But then he always does what the Father does, pleasing him. Even in his miracles, he keeps growing. But the, you can see it in the, the ones he raised from the dead. About a three-hour sermon is to take every miracle of Jesus, starting from the first and in the Gospels, and going to a timeline of how each of the miracles that Jesus wrought, all redemption miracles, showing that he is God. The words that he spoke were not his, but the Father dwelling, housing permanently in him. He with the finger of God casting out devils, knowing the kingdom of God's come nigh to you. That that if you don't believe him for that, believe him for the work's sake. He healed the sick, cleansed the leper, raised the dead, cast out devils. Open blind eyes, loose the dumb thing. Dumb, the lame walking, the captive went free. Believe him for the work's sake. Because it's the Father dwelling in him doing the works. Jesus said, I do nothing of my own self. It's through the Father through me. But to do that, he had to be obedient. Always doing the things that please the Father and nothing of himself. Well, the first one, Jairus' daughter. Been dead a couple of hours. And he raises her from the dead. Then the widow of Nain's son, been dead a couple of days. He stops a funeral procession, walks over to the bier, the coffin, and raises the boy from the dead. So I say to thee, arise. Presented him alive to his mother, the widow. Then, notice, the, notice that every one of the miracles are progressive in glory. Glory, glory, glory. God glorifying his own human back to himself. The greater glory being on and growing and glowing. Greater, greater, greater in glory through the Holy Ghost. Not that he, the man is the Holy Ghost. He said through the Holy Ghost. Through the Spirit of God in the days of his flesh. Because the law is still there separating a wall of partition between God and his own human, even in his own body of flesh and blood. Then, Jared, from Jairus, it goes to Lazarus. Lazarus has been dead, and uh, Jesus said, I'm glad for your sakes. Glad for your sakes. He waits four days for Lazarus to be raised from the dead. By this time, he stinketh. Lazarus come forth. There, we have the progressive miracles of Jesus. After he has fulfilled that law in every aspect, body, soul, and spirit, being tempted at all points, he goes then to the Garden of Gethsemane. He's a free will sacrifice. Somebody says, why are you focusing so much on Jesus? Because he is our righteousness. He is our perfection. He is our Savior. He is our Redeemer. 
everything that we have is in him, by him, and through him. Nothing of us, nothing of us, not even that we can say we first loved him. The love we have, the love that we have for God is of him and by him and through him. There, when Jesus goes to the Garden of Gethsemane, he said, Father, glorify thou me. Now remember the law is still there. It's a middle wall of partition, parting God from all man. He said, Father, O Holy Father, glorify thou me with thine own self. I want you to glorify me with your own self, not with just some power. I want everything, all power, all authority. I want you to glorify me with your own self. Everything you are, I want it. With the glory, here's the key, that I had with you. With you. Yes. Because remember, he is God. He's in the form of God. But he made himself of no reputation. Emptied out of glory. That glory I had with you, that glory that that I made myself of no reputation, I want all that glory back. So he made himself of no reputation to take on them the form of a servant and to fulfill this law. But then Jesus is saying, I want all that glory back. Everything that I made in myself of no reputation, I want all that back. Every bit of it. Well, John 17, 5. Read it for yourself. Father, glorify me with thine own self with the glory I had with you before the world was. Before I made myself with no reputation, I want every bit of that glory. Your own self. Now, Jesus is dying on the cross. And there's seven last things of Jesus you know. And then, when I thirst, etc., and Eli, Eli, Lamal, Sabachthani, my God, my God, why is that forsaken me, etc. And then, as he's dying on the cross, he said, Father, into thy hands I commend my spirit, his human spirit. And he gave up the ghost, little G-H-O-S-T, his human spirit. His human spirit went to the Father. That body died. And the shed blood. Longinus took the spirit, pierced Jesus on the side. Forthwith there came water and blood. Not blood only. Water and blood. This is he that came by water and blood. And then as that last drop of blood fell off his toe, Jesus died. The veil rent from top to bottom. Not bottom to top, top to bottom. Herod's temple 30 foot high, 3 foot wide, veil ripped from top to bottom. And then what happened? There was a great earthquake. And it says in Ephesians 2 that Jesus took the ordinances of that law, that law that separated God from all mankind, God taking on him the form of a servant made in the likeness of man, fashioned as a man, and that law, he took the ordinances of, ordinances of that law that were uh, contrary to all mankind and nailed it to his cross. What for? Thereby breaking down, making peace, thereby breaking down the middle wall of partition between God and all mankind. 
thereby making peace and of the twain, God and all mankind, one new man. The new man? Who is this new man? Well, he had to fulfill the law. He had to literally break down that middle wall of partition, that veil rent, the way there into the holiest of all is now made manifest. Jesus has entered into heaven itself with his own blood. There's regular in heaven itself there, breaking down that middle wall of partition, giving us a way that we can come boldly into the holiest of all before God. By doing that, that way, the truth and the life, he has entered in, the forerunner, well, run. He run this race. He obeyed in all things through obedience. He learned obedience through the things which he suffered. Learned obedience, perfected obedience in the things which he suffered. Making the captain of our salvation perfect through sufferings. Then he said, if any man come after me, let him first deny himself, pick up his cross. You're going to have to have that cross to do the will of God. Not your own will. That's going to exalt itself against the Lord Jesus Christ. Of whatever he's called you to do. Pick up your cross and follow me. Now, when you do that, that cross, the Holy Ghost, when you have repented and been baptized in the name of Jesus Christ and got the Holy Ghost, that Holy Ghost is going to begin to work in you unto perfection. How? Through the things which you suffer, crucifying the flesh with the affections of the lust. The forerunner has already entered in. The forerunner, which is Jesus Christ, it tells us in the book of Hebrews, already entered in. Now he's shown us the way, the truth, and the life, and how we go in his footsteps unto perfection. How, they, how then are we made perfect? First Peter tells us in his epistle that after you've suffered for a while, God make you perfect, establish, strengthen, settle you. Not only called to believe on Jesus, but to suffer with him. And he that has suffered with the Lord Jesus, arming yourself with the same mind, has ceased from sin. Because, why? Because Christ has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm ourselves with the same mind. That mind of Christ. And he that hath done that, that, that is the only way, it says, First Peter 4, 1, to cease from sin. So you add to your faith virtue. Virtue, knowledge, knowledge, temperance, temperance, patience, patience, godliness. Godliness is that God life. For God was manifest. It's not us. It was him. He was the one that suffered and died and rose again and has entered in to heaven itself. There to make intercession for us. Who makes intercession for us? Romans 8, 26 through 29. No man knows how you ought to pray. The spirit itself maketh intercession. That man, Christ Jesus, has been made a quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. So everything he did, he gives us power to do the same thing in our own bodies of flesh because he did it first in his own body of flesh. So therefore, it's God that worketh in you both the willing to do of his good pleasure. And he said, not only do I want you to be, therefore, be you therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect in the days of his flesh. Now he's gone in, the forerunner, and said, now, because he has been made perfect through the things which he suffered, he's now our captain of salvation. 
He is the way, the truth, and life, and works in us both the willing to do of his own good pleasure and to come to the measure of the statue of Jesus unto a perfect man is simply through obedience unto perfection. What is perfection? Perfection is obeying Jesus unto righteousness. What is righteousness? Turn to John 16, and we'll see what righteousness is. In John 16... It says the Holy Ghost will come and reprove the world of sin, of righteousness, and of judgment. Now remember, we're obeying obedience unto righteousness. And he's saying in John 16, this Holy Ghost is going to reprove the world of sin because they believe not on me, Jesus said. But we're focusing on righteousness. Grace works, literally reigns, Grace reigns through righteousness. Romans 5. Then to have grace, we have to know what is righteousness because that's what grace reigns through righteousness. And the faith of, that he gives us is the faith of God that loved us and gave himself for us. He has dealt to every one of us the measure of faith. We didn't do it. He did. So everything is in, by, and through Christ Jesus our Lord. Notice he said of righteousness. Why? Because I go to my Father. My Father. You emptied out of glory, made yourself in the reputation. You're in the form of God. You make yourself in the reputation. You come down and take on the form of a servant made in the likeness of men. Die, buried, and rose again, and then go back with the fullness of glorified with the Father's own self. Matthew 28, 18. Jesus comes out of the tomb and said, All power in heaven and earth is given unto me, the man, Christ Jesus. That did not leave the Father powerless. All power in heaven and in earth. Another way to put that is in Acts 2, 36. Let all the house of Israel know assuredly that that same Jesus, that man that you crucified, God hath made him, what? He's glorified with God's own self, the Father's own self. God hath made him both Lord, how many lords are there? One. What is that? Tetragrammaton. Lord, you're over God Almighty. And Christ. What's Christ? Christ in you, the Holy Ghost. <laughs> God has made him both Lord and Christ. Who raised him from the dead? Jesus said, you destroy this temple in three days, I'm going to raise it up. I'll show you who I am in that day. You'll know that I'm in the Father, Father in me. You're going to know it in that day. For if I be lifted up, in that resurrection, he proved who he was. Romans 1, 3, he's declared to be the Son of God through the Spirit. How? By the resurrection from the dead. Why? Because he raised up his own body of flesh and blood. John 2. Romans 3, that's the Revelation 3, 21. Jesus said, him that overcometh will I grant to sit with me in my throne as a place I prepare for you. Where'd you go, Jesus? Even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, not S-I-T, set down, not with four and twenty thrones in heaven, which is the priesthood, which we're called for, but even as I overcame and am set, S-E-T, down with my Father, not beside the throne, not around the throne, in my Father's throne. Glorified with the Father's own self, all power in heaven and earth. 
Who is he? Jesus Christ, 1 Timothy 6.15. The blessed and only potentate, capital P, omnipotent, all-powerful, omniscient, all-knowing, omnipresent, everywhere, who only hath immortality. Who is he? Jesus Christ. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. Who only hath immortality, dwelling in the light which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. None of us can. We can be sons and daughters of God, but we'll never be God. He is God. That man is God. Now, it's through his righteousness. And how do we obtain that? Through faith. Through faith, not having our own righteousness, which is of the law, but the righteousness of God by faith. Jehovah Tendishkinu, the Lord all righteousness. And how do we get there? Take a look. In John 16, he said, I'll prove the world of righteousness because I go to my Father. I came, now watch the way he puts this. I came forth, verse, this John 16. And he says uh, there in verse 28, I came forth from the Father. What came forth from the Father? No flesh did. The Word did. The Spirit itself did. The Word was made flesh. What came forth from the Father? The Word. His thought, plan, purpose, and will manifest in the flesh. The Word was made flesh. And am coming to the world. What came to the world? The Word did. The Word of God did. And the Word was made flesh. Not Spirit Junior. The Word. Who's the Word? The Father of glory. The Holy Ghost. The Spirit of God. And again, I leave the world and go to the Father. Not beside Him, not around Him. To Him. Now, for us to understand that, how we pray... Everybody says, well, Father, in the name of Jesus. And we get that from John 16. But there's another revelation there to be had by the true tabernaculars, not Pentecostals, but tabernaculars. And once it's going higher in glory, you realize what the power and the, what the work of righteousness, which Jesus has done for you and me, that we realize there's power and how we use that name. Take a look in John 16. Verse 23, Jesus speaking, and in that day you shall ask me nothing. What day? Watch it here. Verily, verily, truly, truly, I say unto you, whatsoever you shall ask the Father in my name, he will give it you. Now, Jesus is speaking still in the days of his flesh. But he's talking that there will be a day coming after this. I'm still in the days of my flesh. For you understand that, and for us to understand what he's talking about, talking about here, excuse me, what he's talking about here. He said, while he's in this world, he said, the, I'll pray the Father to send you another comfort whom the world cannot receive because it seeth him not, neither knoweth he. But you know it, for he dwelleth with you. I'm walking with you. I'm eating with you. I am down here in the earth for 33 and a half years. And shall be in you. Wait a minute, Jesus. How can you be in us? I shall be in you. I will not leave you comfortless. I will come to you. 
He's saying that after, said, out of your belly shall flow rivers of living waters. This he spake of the Holy Ghost. It wasn't given yet. Why not? Because Jesus was not yet glorified. What does that have to do with it? Well, Jesus is glorified by the Father's own self. He is the Holy Ghost. The Lord is that Spirit, 2 Corinthians 3.17. He is the Spirit of His Son now. What is that? Galatians 4.6, God sent forth the Spirit of His Son. Why did He say the Spirit of the Father? Because you can't get it and I can't get the Spirit without through the Son. He's the one that died. He's the one that rose again. He's the one that is my propitiation for my sins. He is the Son of God. He is the one that tasted death for every man. He is the one that wrought salvation of himself. The Messiah. The Savior of the world. Yeshua HaMashiach. He is Jesus the Messiah. He is the Christ. The Christos. He is the Christ. Well, he says there, Hitherto, well, I'm in the flesh here, you've asked nothing in my name. Ask and you shall receive that your joy may be full. Jesus said, I want you to ask. The joy of the Lord, your strength, so your joy may be full. Then he says, these things have I spoken to you in Proverbs. Everything I've spoke to you, I've spoken in Proverbs. I've used similes. I've used metaphors. I've used liken to, and this is. But now he said, but the time cometh. When he's glorified, when he's glorified with the Father's own self, and that time comes, when I shall no more speak unto you in Proverbs, but I shall show you plainly of the Father. I will show you plainly of the Father. Not the Father showing you plainly of the Father. I will show you plainly of the Father. The man, Christ Jesus. Ah. At that day, at that day, yes, when I'm glorified with the Father's own self. I'm speaking to you right now. I'm with you. I'm talking with you. But that day's coming. That day when I'm glorified, at that day, you shall ask in my name, Jesus. And I say not unto you that I will pray the Father for you. Because I'm glorified the Father's own self. All power in heaven and earth is me. So you ask me. You ask in my name. You ask, you ask me. You will ask in my name. Not the Father in my name. You will ask in my name, Jesus. Yes, I say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I'm putting him back before the cross. He hasn't obtained that glory. He hadn't glorified with the Father's own self. He hadn't been glorified yet. But at that day, I didn't say, Jesus. Jesus, in your name. And when you pray, not Father in the name, I'm putting him before the cross. I say, Jesus. And when I say that name, by your speaking that name, all heaven, all, all the angels, every throne, powers, principalities, are subject to that name. Triumphing over in it. And that name, Jesus. Literally that name, Jesus. All power and all authority in that name is all power of the Father. So when I say Jesus, somebody says, you've left out the Father. No, I haven't. I have given him the glory of the Father. To the glory of the Father. I've said the name of Jesus, to the glory of the Father. Jesus. 
Lord, we need and put our petitions. We glorify your holy name, Jesus. That made heaven and earth and all that therein. Therein is. Speak, leading God by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit, lead. God us into all truth. Thy word is truth. Sanctify us holy, both spirit, soul, and body. As you do that, you're not asking the Father in the name of Jesus, taking him back before the cross. You're giving him the glory of the Father after the glorification. You ask in my name, and I say not, I'm going to pray the Father for you because all the Father's given, he's given to me. So there is righteousness. He has gone to the Father. He's glorified with the Father's own self. So the name Jesus in that glory, in that glorification, is our righteousness. Not that we have to prove or do anything except obey. Obey his leading. Follow his leading. Walk in his footsteps. Walk in the light as he's in the light. 1 John 1, 7. Then we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus cleanses us from all sin. But we have to be in that light in present truth. Jesus said of that, for the Father himself loveth you because you've loved me and believe that I came out from God. What came out from God? Flesh? No. What? Word. His word was manifest. Word was made flesh. His thought, plan, purpose, and will in his spirit. God said, let there be light. God said, and the word, in the beginning was the word, the word was with God. The word was God. Same as in the beginning with God, all things were made by him, and the word was made flesh. Now we're born, not of blood, nor the will of spirit, not of blood, nor the will of man, but of or the will of the flesh, but of a, but of the spirit, but of God himself. Born of the water and the spirit. John 3. And at that point, he said, I came forth from the father. I proceeded from the father, came into the world, and died, buried, rose again, went back to the father, and now I've come to you. And the forerunners are entered in, and he is our righteousness. And all we have to do now is obey unto righteousness, which will bring us unto perfection, not because of our works, because of obedience to him. And we have that in Romans 6. Whosoever you yield your members of service to obey, and with the service to whom you obey, whether sin unto death or of obedience unto righteousness, yielding the fruits of holiness, without which no man shall see the Lord. So you see, our righteousness is the Lord God Almighty, Jesus Christ, Jehovah Tendishkinu, Jesus, the Christ, the Messiah. There's not another. The man Christ Jesus is God, always has been God. In his humiliation, he was a man, not a God-man, a man, working salvation as a man. And as a man and perfecting his own his own body of flesh and blood, his own human, his humanity, by his own obedience, shows us the way, the truth, and the life, showing us that him in our propitiation, propitiation for our sins, in our stead, literally that knew no sin became sin for us that we might be made the righteousness of God, keyword, in him, through him, by him. And that's your key. So don't let perfection scare you. 
Well, you fear all perfection. That's heretical. No, it's not. He expects it. And these works that accompany salvation are not all works of the law, which is of the law, but the righteousness, righteousness of God. How'd you get there? Through obedience. Obedience unto righteousness, Romans 6. By what? The righteousness of God through faith, through the faith of God. Who gave you the faith? God did. He's dealt to every man the measure of faith. So perfection is certainly attainable, coming and being led and guided into all truth by the Holy Ghost, by the Spirit of God. And he said, you have an unction from the Holy One, 1 John 2, 20. And you know all things, and you know all truth, no lies of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denied that Jesus is the Christ. He is Antichrist that has denied both the Father. Why? Because Christ is the Father and the Son. Why? But Christ was manifest in flesh as the Son of God, which is the Father revealed. He that acknowledged the Son already has the Father. Why? Because the Son is the Father revealed in a body of flesh and blood. 1 John 2.22 Whosoever believeth that Jesus is the Christ is born of God. 1 John 5.1 There's not another. So friend, remember, coming unto perfection is not of us, not of us that, that our works which we have done our righteousness which is of the law but the righteousness of God the righteousness of God by faith the foreigners already entered in and he said he that have begun a good work in you will perform it until the day of the Lord Jesus Christ it's God that's working in you both to willing to do not you God's working in you both to willing to do of his good pleasure so he's looking for us to bring forth perfect works that accompany salvation in Ephesus Smyrna uh, Pergamon Thyatira uh, Sardius, Philadelphia, Laodicea, seven churches. And it's the voice of Jesus, thus saith the Lord, that hath, those speak of the Lord, that says, has the seven stars, that uh, has the keys to death and hell. Uh, you see, that's the voice of the Son of God. And then he said to him that overcometh. So, how do we overcome? We overcome by faith. How do we get the faith? He gave it to us. What do we have to do? Obedience. The captive of our salvation. He learned obedience through the things which he suffered. How are we? We are made conformable unto Jesus' death, that the life may be manifest in our mortal bodies. And this only a light affliction, which is only but for a moment. A span of 70 years is only but a moment in the eyes of God in eternity. Worketh for us. That works for us. That righteousness works for us. A more exceeding and eternal weight of glory. When the Lord comes and we go fight any saints, you will also glory in the Lord Jesus Christ to the praise of his glory for the mystery of God's will from the foundation of the world has been to gather all things together in one in Christ Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you that you are not to come unto a perfect man unto the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Growing up into him in all things. That is what is perfection. That you've been led and guided into all truth. And you walk in obedience to that truth. It's just that simple. Nothing hard about it. He's already done the work. Ephesians 4.12. And when he said that. Unto the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. Unto a perfect man. That's the body of Christ. That's our high calling of God in Christ Jesus. And Matthew 5. Jesus said, Be ye therefore perfect, even as your Father in heaven is perfect. Now Jesus can say, Even as I am perfect. Why? Because the forerunners already entered in. Glorified by the Father's own self, showing us the way. 
and we say, no, I don't pray, Father, in the name of Jesus. We say Jesus. Why? Because he said, I'm no more at that day. I'm not going to pray the Father for you. Why? Because he is our righteousness. The man Christ Jesus. Don't let anybody tell you the man's not God. That he's sitting up there on the right hand of God. God's in him, but he's not God. That is a doctrine of the devil. Don't let anybody tell you different. You've got a Savior who is God. That man is Jesus Christ. That man is made a quickening spirit. 1 Corinthians 15, 45. He is a blessed and only potentate. 1 Timothy 6, 15 and 16. He only has immortality. He is the one dwelling in light, which no man can approach unto, nor see, nor can see. We walk in the light as he, the man, Jesus Christ, is in that light. What is he? The Spirit of God. The Lord Jesus is that Spirit. There we have that glory revealed in the name Jesus. Now, therefore, you don't ask the Father in my name. You ask in my name. At that day, when he was glorified, from that day forth, I ask in the name of Jesus. Jesus! Lord, we need you, God. We need this. And speak the name Jesus. And I'll say not, I'll pray the Father for you, for the Father's loved me and has given all things to me. Ask in my name. The name Jesus is the name of the Father, of the Son, and the Holy Ghost. So I hope this has been a blessing to you. Don't let anybody tell you you can't come into perfection because that's what he's looking for. In Sardius, in Revelation 3, he said, I have not found your works perfect. Repent, therefore. Every place he looks for, perfect works, unto the measure of the statue of Jesus Christ. How do we get there? Simply, 1 Peter 4, 1. For as much then has Christ, he's the one who did it, has suffered for us in the flesh. Arm yourselves, therefore with the same mind, in obedience. For he that has suffered in the flesh has ceased from sin. It's just that simple. Be willing to suffer with him. You will reign with him. You have questions? Give us a call. Drop us a line. Uh, we'd love to hear from you. And uh, uh, subscribe to the podcast. Uh, there, as this word goes out to the various nations, the time of the sealing of God's people is now, and He's doing it through His Word. Until the next time, this is Brother Dennis Beard saying, "Behold, the real Jesus." Friend, we have our gift offer this month. Gift offer ten oh one which is eight DVDs in the Jesus-only Doctrine of Christ, which is essential for a ceiling going from babies to little children, that to overcomers, and then final fathers, having their father's name written in their foreheads. I think you'll find it a blessing to you. Eight DVDs, well, over two hours teaching on each DVD, on the revelation of Jesus Christ. Now you can get this right to me, Dennis Beard, at Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code says 75606. That's Dennis Beard, Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606, or visit our website, dennisbeard.org, or sealinggodspeople.org. Request your copy, eight DVDs, on the revelation of Jesus Christ, mention offer 1001. That's 1001 for your gift of $100 or more, and we'll get it right out to you. Again, that's the revelation of Jesus Christ, eight DVDs, over two hours teaching on each separate DVD. 
of eight DVDs over 16 hours of teaching. Therefore, normally a gift of 160, you can have it. Our gift offer for this month, gift offer 1001-1001, request the revelation of Jesus Christ for your gift of $100 or more right there at Post Office Box 2906, Longview, Texas, zip code 75606, or the website, dentispirit.org, or sealinggodspeople.org. I know it'll be a blessing to you. Until the next time, Brother Dennis Spirit, say, Behold the Real Jesus.